Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I like to think of students inside of a course as guests at my restaurant. And if 97% of them walked out and they didn't have, they didn't get their meal, right? They didn't enjoy it then I would feel bad about what I was doing, right? So for me, like I look at them like that and you know, their meal is that is that hope, that dream that they put in our hands to have that result. And people buy courses for so many different reasons. It's for their health, it's for the love of their family, it's for, you know, trying to find the person person to start a family with, it's for improving their bank accounts, it's for improving their business, right? Maybe it might just be for hobbies, like they want to learn how to make soap or, you know, macrame or something, but they're wanting something that is going to lift them up, right? I mean, we're at a moment in time here where we can definitely look out in the world and go, more people need to start shining their light and lifting others up, right? And there's people are standing over there with a wallet saying, help me, I'm here, I need that help, you know? Yeah. And I believe that at no other point in human history have purpose-driven entrepreneurs had the opportunity and the gift of, of creating that kind of impact on a massive global scale as they do today through these online courses, but only if they actually take responsibility for their students' success. How you day, how you day. That was Dr. Rose. And the thing I love about Dr. Rose is that she truly has a knack for getting people and course creators to understand how to get the most out of their students. In an age where a lot of courses are being bought, but a lot of courses are not being completed, she is the true glue to figuring that out. And we dive into her story, why she believes that a lot of courses aren't completed, and just how to turn that mindset into becoming one of a thought leader. She's truly intent on developing the next set of global leaders. If you're someone that has a voice or believes that you have a message that needs to get out to the masses, I encourage you to buy her book, to follow her on social media, and also listen to the episode. But as always, let me know when you listen to the episode. Tag me, tag her, tag the guest. Uh, give me a shout out, send me a message. I love hearing from you all. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Dr. Carrie Rose. Now, Dr. Rose is a number one best-selling author, educator, entrepreneur, keynote speaker, thinkific expert, and notably one of Huffington's Post's must-follow women entrepreneurs in 2012. Now, she holds a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Central Florida, UCF. I think they did well in the <laughs> basketball tournament, um, in the, you know. And in football. Sweet, sweet 16? Oh, oh gosh. I, I didn't keep up with basketball, but the football team did really well this year. <laughs> football, team, football team did well. 
But yes. um, her methods have been shared with Neil's Yard Remedies, the National Main Street Organization, JetBlue, and more. You know, currently she works with entrepreneurs, online marketers, and businesses around the United States, and she makes sure she provides the highest quality of learning strategies with the greatest amount of impact on a variety of different platforms. Her goal is to use uh, learning platforms to change the world, so I'm very excited to talk to her about her process as well as how she got here. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rose. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure is mine. So how how does one... Um, get to be the illustrious Dr. Rose. When did, when did it all start for you? You know, is this what you always wanted to do when you were Ill- a kid? Illustrious. Um, you know, I had a very different childhood. And so I think this is probably where it started. Um, I witnessed something fairly traumatic when I was four years old. Um, without going into it, it left me um, with something called selective mutism. So for about six years of my life, I barely spoke unless I absolutely needed to. It wasn't something that I did. I just was the kind of kid where if you could imagine somebody just blending in with the wallpaper, uh, that was me. So from about four till 10 years old, I was like that. Um, I also am dyslexic. So with the combination of um, uh, <laughs> difficulties. I started fifth grade not knowing how to read. Um, and I had one teacher at Allen Elementary School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that took me from that shell, uh, that quiet shell of a human being to the highest standardized test score that, that school had seen in one year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're ever wondering if you can make an impact on another person, you know, if you try, you really can. She was amazing and she did what everybody else hadn't been able to do. Um, I spent 10 years of my adult, adult life working in public education, trying to, you know, emulate her, trying to give back. I worked in schools primarily with high percentages of students from low socioeconomic background. So just to break it down, they, you know, most of them or some of them went home on Friday and you didn't know if they were getting fed until Monday morning. So that was the kind of, you know, environment, uh, that these children were living in. And I really spent that time giving as much as I could as far as my heart to care about these children, but then also, you know, researching and diving into what were the learning strategies that could flip the switch for somebody? Like, how could I make a difference for these kids where others had failed and um, or not been able to? I had one class of fourth graders in that time that was basically the class that anybody would have, not any, a lot of people would have given up on. I had deaf and hard of hearing, autistic, uh, learning disabled, um, oppositional defiant disorder, and ADHD. Um, I had a bunch of students that were also labeled DNQs, which is, it's, it's a really unfortunate label. Um, it basically means that their IQ is so low that the low ability that they're performing at is a match. So there's no statistical discrepancy. So you can't give them any extra services. They are just are expected to not perform well. Um, I took that class and then created the greatest learning gains that that school had ever seen on their standardized tests at the end of the year. And I was like, okay, so there's a method to this madness and it's possible, right? To not just do it for one, like Mrs. Taylor did it for me, although highly impactful, but it's possible to do it on a larger scale. But I was like, I can't help just 20 kids a year. You know, 20 people a year doesn't make the kind of impact that I wanted to create. Um, so I decided to go off to UCF, go Knights, uh, and get my doctorate. And I thought I was going to work for the Department of Education, either at the state or the federal level. I was thinking that, you know, I could make a big difference in one of those places. And of course, anybody who's ever dealt with any kind of institution and red tape and bureaucracy knows that that's probably not the best idea. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I'm, you know, finding more and more about everything. And 
I'm writing my dissertation on professional development and I'm sitting in a world of beer one night and in walk three internet marketers. Um, and it sounds like the start of a joke, but it's not. They, <laughs> they introduced me to internet marketing, online marketing, affiliate marketing, SEO, and all of these uh, wonderful things that I knew nothing about in this conversation one night. And I was like, what is this world that you're living in? I have no idea what you're saying. Like, I just, I don't, I don't like not knowing anymore. I'm not in that place. I'm like, if I don't know something, I find out fast, you know? And I was lucky enough that these gentlemen had the skill, the ability, and then also the kindness to mentor me. Um, and so they, you know, they kind of took me under their wing and they gave me online course after online course after online course to discover the world that they were operating in. Um, and then as I went deeper down the rabbit hole, what I found was a lot of these online courses were missing, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of the same strategies that I knew to work. You know, they were basically emulating a lot of our school practices that are, you know, outdated, built for, you know, not necessarily the impact of the person, but more for logistics, you know. And so when I got into that, I was like, this is this isn't good. I mean, there's a lot of people buying these courses, but we've got to do something better or their lives aren't going to change, you know. And if you're familiar with the data on online courses, it was a $107 billion industry in 2015, and then it went up to a $255 billion industry in 2017. So the the improvement is definitely there. There are definitely people buying courses and buying more courses than they were even prior to. But their online course completion rates are at about a 3%. So 97% of people that take these programs are walking away without their dreams met, right? Without their reality shifted as a result of what they thought they were going to get. Flash forward a few years, um, my partner and I established what we call our pillars of completion. It's a three-step proprietary process where we take clients on a journey through um, our three pillars. The first one being clarify, figuring out if your course is the one <laughs> or if there are many courses in you. A lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, I have one course to make. And you find out they have five, right? Yeah. And some of them they shouldn't be selling because they're not appropriate either, right? So um, and then we take them through craft and inside of craft, I build all of my courses through a process that I built that's created on um, over 500 research studies on how the human brain connects to content. So stuff that I got out of my um, out of my dissertation and things like that. Um, also with the research that I've done in a course completion rate. So how do we structure these courses so that people finish them? Um, and inside of Captivate, we really focus in on what are the engagement and marketing strategies that are needed to bring higher completion and re yield greatest results. So I don't market courses, um, but if you're gonna look at an online course, it's a blend of education and marketing. So it has to be, you know, that thing that ties the two together, right? So. Gotcha, wow. No, that, yeah. I, I, love, um, I love how you took us through that journey. You know, you, it started from that traumatic experience when you were young and, and then you, you know, you had the personal experience as well. And then a teacher, literally turned you and your work into something that was inspirational and then you did the same you're you know you did the same for someone else and now you've scaled that now this idea mm -hmm. of scaling is is interesting because i didn't know that the completion rate for courses was three percent you said three percent three percent yeah right wow and so right a lot of people spend money to buy a course yeah. and then yeah 97 percent of them don't finish it right I've had clients get up to 96% completion rate. So just say anybody that's listening that's going, oh, I give up. Like, I'm just going to make a course and I'm not going to worry about other people if they finish it or not. I just want to say the other side of the spectrum is completely possible and true as well. well right? Yeah. You know, I, so I, I, I want to 
continue on that that um, that form of resistance? What do you think is is the reason? Is the reason that people don't finish, or is yeah, the reason yeah. that people think it's okay? No, because, no, because I'm just trying to think of you know someone. I'm, <laughs> whenever I spend money on something, if I spend money on a fifteen hundred dollar course, a five hundred dollar course, or any of these courses, I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely finishing this course. Right. <laughs> so at least that's my mindset. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just wonder what the resistance is. Is it because you know there's no accountability, or, or there are no stakes, or I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. So I've written an entire book on this because it's not just one thing. It's like so many different, you know, parts, right? And a lot of it has to do with, you know, how the content's presented to begin with. Um, and some of it, like you said, it, some of it is a financial investment, right? So right. they're the only study that I saw with actual statistic reliability out there so far is one that said that, um, you know, if people don't actually purchase, so if the course is free, there's a statistically significant chance that they won't finish as a result. That was the only one so far. There's a um, preliminary study that Thinkific has done with their audience where they found that accountability triples completion rates. But so we're just getting into the kind of the beginning phase of actually looking at uh, actual numbers and data, right? So you can see some um, influencers in the space who are starting to look at their completion rates and say like, okay, if they finish this course, do if they don't finish this course, do they buy the next course? And that's something I'd say, like for anybody that has a course to start looking or multiple courses to start looking at their numbers in those terms. And you know, I've had a company with a million dollar, not a million, sorry, a hundred million dollars in um, profits from online courses annually that had like a three point nine com- percent completion rate. But they also didn't know until I asked them what it was. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, I'm so glad you touched on that because it, that was the the thing that came to mind is accountability. And I'm also probably thinking about, you know, rewards. I think a lot of people like to have, I don't know, it's just like, you know, you do a workout and some people have a cheat day and then you, you do all this work and then you get the grade or you graduate. And I think, um, you know, some of the best course creators I've observed is sort of figure out a way to implement something akin to that or they, mm-hmm. you know, or they create accountability uh, groups or they incorporate Facebook groups as well to that way you, you do calls and check in. So it's, it's a fascinating thing to me, but, um, uh, I, I imagine you have a lot of these type of stuff in your book where people can get where? Oh, on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, Amazon. And the book is called Amazon, The Completed Course. Nice and easy. <laughs> the Completed Course by Dr. Kara Rose. Uh, definitely Amazon. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Um, okay. Thank you. Nothing that I love about you is that you come at course creation from a different perspective. Now, people talk about profit, which is also an important thing, but you truly feel like this is one of the best ways you can change the world. Why do you feel so? Well, because people are buying them and they're, they're buying them with a, with a desire to have their world shifted, right? They're, they're taking out their wallets and they're saying, you know what? I believe in this person and I want that outcome. And so I'm going to buy it. And, you know, a lot of course creators will look at that and go like, you know, okay, they're not finishing because they're, you know, kind of like the defunct treadmill owner. So, you know, people in January, they'll purchase a treadmill because they want to lose weight. I'm doing air quotes on the other side of my microphone here. Right. But by <laughs> the time like February rolls around, it's the place to like hang your laundry. And I like to think of students inside of a course as guests at my restaurant. And if 97% of them walked out and they didn't have, they didn't get their meal, right? They didn't enjoy it. 
then I would feel bad about what I was doing, right? So for me, like I look at them like that, and you know, their meal is that is that hope, that dream that they put in our hands to have that result. And people buy courses for so many different reasons. It's for their health. It's for the love of their family. It's for, you know, trying to find the person to start a family with. It's for improving their bank accounts. It's for improving their business, right? Maybe it might just be for hobbies. Like they want to learn how to make soap or, you know, macrame or something, but they're wanting something that is going to lift them up, right? I mean, we're at a moment in time here where we can definitely look out in the world and go, more people need to start shining their light and lifting others up, right? And there's people are standing over there with a wallet saying, help me, I'm here, I need that help, you know? Yeah. And I believe that at no other point in human history have purpose-driven entrepreneurs had the opportunity and the gift of, of creating that kind of impact on a massive global scale as they do today through these online courses, but only if they actually take responsibility for their students' success. So that's the other side of it. Like they have to build it and create it and care about it in a way that is like, I don't just see you as a, as a check or a, or a card swipe. I see you as a person with a face and, and dreams and aspirations of creating, you know, a better world for yourself. No, I, I love that. You know, the creating that accountability, building a relationship with your students and, and, you know, operating from that point of view for sure. Okay. So one of the, Things that people listening to may say, okay, I love that. I can see how this helps, but I'm not a great curriculum designer. How can I come up with a way to organize my thoughts and put that into uh, a sequence that, that makes sense? What, what would you say to those people? Uh, I'd say start with the basic easy things first, right? So instead of trying to copy everything that's already been done, look at all the courses that are out there already and just kind of go, nah, all right, and, and start over. Um, and the reason I say that... <laughs> okay, go, start over. That's the Start over. No, I mean, some of them are good. There are some people out there that are doing really great jobs. But um, if we look at the vast majority, we're basing a lot of things based on old systems of education and old things that have already been done. And a lot of entrepreneurs in the space already realize, like, that doesn't work for most of us. So why are we trying to give it to us? And what I mean by that is like, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs that are dyslexic, left-handed ADHD, right? And even Richard Branson's dyslexic, right? So, you know, which are highly successful people. We're abstract thinkers. We think outside the box. We are able to visualize things that other people wouldn't necessarily see. There's a lot of gifts in those things that people label as disabilities, right? But we're creating courses in a way that doesn't help any people with any other kind of thoughts other than uh, the way the standardized classroom Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com/weightloss I'm set up with B so we have instead a lot of I'm going to talk at you for 40 minutes and then you're going to learn something or you're not going to learn something and it's just really unfortunate um, <laughs> it, nobody learns like that I mean very few people you know I remember sitting down when I first got into you know taking these online courses to try to understand online marketing and I remember thinking thank god I'm smart and I write fast Wow. Right. Because I was just like, I'm just taking notes. I'm just taking notes. And I know I'm going to be able to synthesize it later. I'm going to be able to figure out how to apply it later. I'm going to be able to generalize it. I'm going to compare and contrast this to something else, you know, because I knew how to approach my own learning. But we've got to understand is that I'm a doctor of education. So I have a different level of metacognition or of understanding my own thinking than a lot of people are walking around with, you know. Um, and we think people just want to be told like what to do. And to some level, maybe. But what we end up doing with these courses when we just tell them what to do is we're creating a level of interdependence, like we're or not interdependence, um, dependence on us, right? Dependence on the instructor, instructor to think for us. But no, no two situations are the same. So when we say like do it this way, do that, do this, do that, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But when we can train somebody to think for themselves, when we can ask them the questions, it's not about telling them that anything, right? When we can ask them the questions that cause them to go deeper and really get into what we're trying to convey to them. And also with that understanding of our way is not the only way, right? When we can get them to think for themselves along those lines, though, then we've got, you know, a highly engaged, highly empowered human being. So just start with like a simple step, right? Because they may have gone too deep, but it's just a simple step. Okay. If we look at um, online courses, some of the videos in them are like 40 minutes long, right? Well, what's that based off of? You know, I know my high school, my periods were like 45 minutes long for a class, right? And then I'd have like a hallway shift and then I'd go to another class for another 45 minutes and then a hallway shift. And that has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with the human brain or how people learn. It has only to do with logistics, bathroom times and breaks for teachers, right? So like, right. I mean, you know, you're, you know, right, you're right, you're right. But we're doing things like that because that's what's been done. And then somebody would stand up behind a podium or sit down at their desk and talk, wah, 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 wah. And then we'd write notes and then it would be done and it would be our responsibility to get the grade. Well, nobody learned like that then and nobody learns like that now, right? Not not on the level that they need to, you know. I mean, my son is, his IQ is off the charts. It's just ridiculous. And he literally doesn't have to show up for class and he doesn't have to open a book and he knows he's going to ace the test. Because assessments aren't necessarily based off of anything that anybody says in the classroom anyways. Right? So, <laughs> you know, we just have to approach it differently. So if we just take video length and course length, right, um, and pro- approach that, those two functions from like a very uh, realistic standpoint. Um, so video length, just to give you this, seminars, which is a learning management system out of Austin, Texas. They run Deepak Chopra's class, uh, classes through there. They did a study and found that people were falling off of videos at the seven-minute mark. So by seven minutes, they clicked off the video. So just looking at that, and that's a very you know important piece of data, then we can say, okay, I want my videos shorter than seven minutes. All right. So it, for my clients, I tell them three to five minutes. Don't go over because we don't sit that long anymore or we're not like that. And then, you know, from a realistic standpoint, if somebody told you their course was 45 hours long, how would you feel about that? Yeah. No, I mean, would that, you, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to think about that right now. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Do you want to do that? I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've done it, but I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> that yeah. was an in-depth certification program, but you know, for the, for that 
point, you know, we have to really boil down what is it that we're trying to teach? What do we want them to know when we're done with this? What do we want them to be able to do when we're done with this? And who do we want them to be able to be as a result of this? Right. And if we can just look at that and take it one layer at a time, you may think I have like, oh, I have so many courses inside or I have one course inside of me. And really, because you're you're thinking like I have one thing to teach, you're not looking at the individual layers. You're not seeing all the opportunities to help people on a much smaller, more finite scale and get them the option of learning the way that they need in the moment that they need it. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if this is there's a similarity with this, but I, I liken course creation and books and on all these things to you know the process I take a lot of my clients to when I'm teaching them you know public speaking and it's like I say you're a guide and you're getting them to a destination but you've got to give them you know certain you know pathways that they can take and mm-hmm. and, and it's you know there's an element of co-creation that can be involved with that but there's also an empowering element to them understanding that they got to that based on the instructions that you you gave them and and it applies to them in their own unique way and I wonder if that can be applied to courses as well in terms of um, the empowering element on the person, the course creator acting as the guide as opposed to the person talking at the uh, the person learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other one's um, more about ego, right? Like mm. I'm going to talk at you. I'm going to tell you it's going to be my way, right? That's a whole, that's a different kind of conversation. But I'm your guide. Hold my hand. We got each other. Let's go. You know, that's a different feel, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And the, the destination is their outcome. What's what's the what? What are they getting out of this? You know, and you know that when you sit down to create a course. I have my clients sit down and write their landing page copy before we create their course. Yeah. Not be not because it, like I expect that that landing page copy is going to sell. It's not. They need a copywriter for that to like punch it up and stuff. But it's just the promise, right? Like, what are you promising that you're going to give them as a result of being on this journey with them? I'm going to guide you to these this destination and you're going to understand these things as a result of this. Yeah, no, I love it. How is that? Well, I mean, wow, we've been talking. I love this. This is time is flying. <laughs> and I love, I love how, how easy it is to talk to you. So the, the, the other thing that I love to do with any platform is to figure out how to leverage that into even more of an audience. So in your experience, what are the best ways to best ways course creators can leverage their platform as course creators to even more influence with, you know, other forms of content. Okay. So are you talking content marketing? Or are you talking um, like affiliate you know marketing? Maybe, maybe not even just content. I'm just thinking in other ways. For example, I know you're a speaker, you're an author, mm-hmm. um, and you, you, you coach as well and you consult, right? Mm-hmm. How can other course creators do the same thing on their level? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, a lot of the courses that I end up creating are from books. Right. So an author has a book and then you go ahead and you turn that into a course, which means to me, you go deeper with it. You cut out the extra stuff that doesn't need to be there and you make it into something that's like going to actually get the result and impact. Right. So the book is kind of like the I'm talking at you. All right. The I'm talking at you version of it. And then when you're creating the course is that, OK, we're going to have you actually learn this and understand it version of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've told you quite a few things that are in my inside of my book already. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't worry, we'll, we'll still get your book. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean it that way, but I'm just saying when you're saying leverage different platforms, like I'm yeah. doing a podcast interview right now and referencing my book. Right. Right. And I'm doing a podcast interview right now and referencing my course and not telling you that it's part like there's stuff inside of my course that I'm talking to you about. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways to to mix it up and to engage on different platforms 
with the content that you have. It's really not just about like having content, right? And some people, when they say content, I'm like, what is that? You know, like, what is it really? Um, it's, it's your expertise, right? Like your expertise is what carries you across all of these platforms and knowing what you know can help the other people that are around you. If you just present it in different ways on these different platforms, then you actually have something that's like a motivational factor to like engage with it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Um, no, this is, this is, this is giving me a lot of things to think about just because I'm always in that mindset of, of creating something. And, mm -hmm. and one of the things I always think about is just because I, I know that a lot of people learn in different ways, different ways people can consume it. So I, I repurpose content a lot of times, but I tweak it, you know, for video, for audio or for written. And then mm -hmm. with the courses, the way I speak is the way I teach a lot of times. And I, whenever I'm on stage, I always call it structured dialogue because I mm -hmm. always actively, actively, you know, have the audience involved as well. But it's, it's through a certain framework. I, I'm, I'm so corny. I use a lot of acronyms, but I love acronyms. And I think it makes, it makes for a good way for people to remember things. Um, but it's also like whenever I do courses, it's also a good way that I, I think a lot of my, um, you know, my clients end up remembering things as well. Uh, but that's just my way. You know, I, I sort of translate my, my speaking to my uh, teaching as well as my um, writing. But I don't know, you know, maybe other people have different approaches to that. But I'm always thinking three steps ahead when I do something like that whenever I'm on stage. Yeah, definitely. No, I love your acronym process. I think it's really cool. Honestly, I interviewed you for our uh, for our group on Facebook and it was like, oh, this is really interesting because I hadn't approached it that way before. I'm like, this is really cool. You know, and a lot of people like my specialized my specialization is education, right? But right. like a lot of people they're trying to figure this out, right? Yeah. And I remember my first year and it's just funny because I thought about this the other day and I don't even think I've ever told my fiance this, but I remember the first time I ever had to teach somebody something. Mm. And it was the biggest nightmare I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. So I um <clears throat> my background in between education and all of that, I had I have two degrees in theater, right? And so I I was working in New York City one year, and the next year, I dropped myself into the middle of nowhere, Alabama. Not middle of nowhere. It was in Tuscaloosa. I went to Bama. But uh, to me, it felt like, what? You know, because I was all Manhattan, like, you need to order your bagel in two seconds, or you're at the end of the line to the slowest-moving Arby's line ever, right? So I'm in Alabama now, and they say to me, I'm going to be a TA, a teaching assistant. And I'm like, okay. And so I have to lecture in front of 350 students. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then two days out of the week... I have a small class of like 20, 25 students that are coming to me for um, introduction to theater for the, like the additional sections of it, not just the main lecture hall. And I, I remember that first year going, I am so not qualified to be here to be doing this right now. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know a lot about theater. Do you guys have any questions? Like, I did not know what I was doing mm. at all. And I think that that's like a, a really normal place to come from. Like, do you know, like, that what you have can help another person. Although for that class, I'm like, why are they taking this? I'm not really sure if they're actually interested in theater, um, <laughs> you know, but, but it's like, you know, you have a lot of information that can help another person, but you just don't even know how to, how to even begin to get it out. Right. And in that moment, like by the second semester, I was actually pretty decent. I wasn't anywhere close to where I am at now, but I started to figure out how to get it out of me. Right. How to even look at the thing and go, okay, 
they're supposed to be inside of this time frame, okay, and what's going on in the Elizabethan era, right, and starting to break things down in a, in a different way and just looking at it from more of an outline approach than where I'm at now. But, like, if you're at that place where you're like, I know I have something that can help somebody and I'm not really sure how to get it out, start trying, right? And the, the best way to really start trying, and even this is the first way that I sold what's now in my course, is I would work with people one-on-one, right? So before I put it into an online platform, even after all of the experience that I had in, in education, I sat down and I wrote out my course and then I would deliver it with one person at a time on coaching calls and I would check for feedback and I would check for understanding and I would be present with the person that was there and to the point where I never had any questions, right? And inside of the course, when I created it, I even put three hours of coaching in there so that they would have access to me to answer questions, you know? And what I found over time is they really don't need me. And now we're going to restructure to pull me out completely. Wow. Right? But it was just like, it's a process of getting there and getting to that point where you know you're actually teaching and not just saying something and not just being this brand new TA that has no idea what's going on in the world. Um, (laughs) No, no, I love it. I love it. Always test for feedback. Always test it out. And I make yeah. sure that you're involved with um, whoever you work with. Oh, that's amazing. So, okay, we, we know where we can find the book. Um, what other places online can we find you? Um, Facebook Messenger is really easy for me. So if you go to Dr. Carrie Rose, uh, the Facebook fan page, it sounds so funny because I'm like, I don't really know if I have a fan club, guys. But you can access <laughs> the Facebook fan page and hit Messenger, and I actually respond inside of there. So if you say, hey, I saw you or I heard you on Tayo's show, I have a question just type it in there and I, okay. you can access directly to me. Okay. No, we'll make sure we put that there as well. And, and what are you up to? Uh, what are you excited about that's uh, coming up soon? Oh, oh, goodness. Well, we're restructuring all of our beginning offerings to remove me out of the coaching. So that's going to be cool. We've got a couple of new video series that are going to be coming out to help people kind of get past the whole um, the mindset blocks that stop people from creating courses. Okay. You know, the the am I enough kind of conversation that a lot of people have. And you'd be surprised. And it, it happens in all different investment amounts of people that work with me. It, they all start with the am I enough? Should I be teaching this? Is this valuable kind of conversation? So we're mm-hmm. creating a video series for them. Um, and then we're also creating a video series behind the market research process to get people really fully prepared um, in knowing whether or not their course is going to sell in the first place which is hugely valuable because a lot of people just like post something up on Facebook. Hey guys, what do you think I should teach? And then like they get five responses and like one's their cousin and one's a kid they knew down the street they used to skate with in middle school and one's their hairdresser. And it's like, you guys aren't the people that should be answering these questions, right? So we want to get actual valuable information before you make the investment and at least time, if not money resources to create a course to begin with. Um, So we have that coming up and then restructuring the current course and, yeah, man, chilling in Orlando. No. Chilling in Orlando, <laughs> apparently the happiest place in the world. No, this is this is uh, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh, oh, that's amazing, and I'm really excited for that. Um, I usually wrap up my interviews with the question, my mission statement. Use your difference to make a difference. So, mm-hmm. Doctor Rose, how Sir. do you <laughs> how do you use your difference to make a difference? Oh gosh, absolutely, my story. I mean, it, it is, uh, I, I could allow my story to be the story of a girl that witnessed something horrible that shut down for years and I could see myself as a freak, right? Like I could have all sorts of perceptions about what I was and who I was and where I came from. 
Um, and I could have let that become it. Right. And for me, it's like, it's an opportunity to rise up. It's an opportunity to lift others up as a result and say, you know what, if I can do this, you can too. And there's, there's nothing that's stopping you and there's nothing that's holding you back um, from being the absolute most positive version of yourself. All right. Okay. Using your story to make a difference. And if you can do it, anyone can. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, this has definitely been a pleasure. This has been a long time in the, in the making. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> this interview, but I'm so glad we did it because you, you dropped so much knowledge and um, I think we're all the better for it. So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time on a Monday, uh, to say the least. So I really appreciate that. My pleasure. I definitely hope it helps people out there. I have no doubt. Your story helped. Your story always helps. And so, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, but thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.